McMaster University has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world, and they are some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at MAC, as we meet alumni in the arts, cutting-edge entrepreneurs, alumni leading the way in health, technology, education, and more, as we learn the moments that their path for MAC became unconventional. So thank you for joining me today, Ramik, for our unconventional podcast. I'm really looking forward to hearing about your story since your graduation at McMaster. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, excited. Excellent. All right. So I usually start off the podcast asking people to put themselves in the Wayback Machine. Think about your life as you were getting ready to graduate from McMaster. And did you have... A master plan, you knew exactly what you were going to do, what your first step was after graduation. Um, and if you were, tell us about it. And if you didn't, what, what was your life like when you first graduated after McMaster? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And for me, I actually did not have a master plan. And I, you know, partially, I think that's due to the fact that I am a first generation student. So my path up until even prior to joining or getting into university was always very unclear to me. And I was always kind of in this state of figuring it out as I went along. Um, so, and that's partially what actually sparked my interest in mentorship and mentoring others is a lot of the lessons learned that I learned throughout my journey and making a lot of mistakes and then having to kind of figure it out as I went along. I try to share those with other students and students that are in university or college or entering into university or college. Um, so that they can avoid some of the mistakes that I made. Um, and so for me, my journey was definitely not clear to me and I definitely had to figure it out as I went along. And um, that's what kind of inspired my YouTube channel because it became very apparent to me that I wasn't the only one in that boat, that there's a lot of other students that are also similar to me, first generation students that don't have the support or resources or knowledge or someone basically pointing us in the direction that we should go in terms of our career. And so we really have to figure it out and make a lot of mistakes along the way. So I share some of those lessons learned with others on my YouTube channel and help them try to navigate the academic and post academic realm by sharing my lessons learned and providing some tips on how to get ahead of your career even while you're in school. So what made you think uh, I need to have a YouTube channel and I wanna, I wanna share those stories because People, you know, mentor all the time. They do it in different ways, but you've chosen the platform of YouTube and I've watched a couple of them. They're very good. I've learned a lot about policy, which is good. My niece is a graduate student at the Monk School right now, so doing yeah. public policy. So, you know, you have lots of good advice. So what made you think I want to be a YouTube star? <laughs> I don't really know if it's so much stardom that I'm searching for because I started off, actually, I had approached the political science department years ago. Um, and this was after Dr. Jasek had retired. Dr. Jasek was kind of the pillar of knowledge within the department. He'd been there for years and he would always connect us to networks that he knew that were previous McMaster alum. And so with his absence, I started thinking about potentially starting up that kind of program at McMaster. Um, the department wasn't fully at that state of readiness yet. And so that was kind of when that first hand platform within the alumni department started coming out. I immediately jumped on that platform. I had about half a dozen mentorship opportunities on there. And every time I'd connect with a student on that platform, there would always 
have this overwhelming response of like, no one's ever told me that before. I've never heard that advice before. Thank you for sharing that. So, I mean, you know, you get the generic advice from a lot of mentors where they tell you to network and have a good resume and make sure you have a cover letter. Um, but I want to get a little deeper and really help students carve out a really pragmatic path that was a little bit more tangible and actionable. And so that's kind of what inspired, well, that's initially what made me join the first hand platform and through those interactions inspired me to want to in interact with more students and mentees. And that's kind of where the YouTube idea came from, partially due to COVID, because with COVID, a lot of us had more time on our hands. And I was mentoring more students through the platform. And so I just kind of thought, why not expand it to YouTube? And that way I can reach a lot of a wider audience. And that is something that I have achieved. I've almost got a thousand subscribers in uh, less than a year now. And they're from all over the world. And it's Time and time again, I always get those comments like, no one's ever said this is super helpful. And that's kind of what inspired the channel, really. Well, it's interesting when you said, you know, like when um, oftentimes students get this and even young professionals will have that. Well, you need to network more. But if you don't know what exactly that means, that's very daunting for people. Mm -hmm. So were you a natural, you know, networker and, uh, you know, interacting with people after your first graduation or after a graduation or did you have to work at it? I definitely had to work at it. And I also required a little nudge from Dr. Jasek um, because I had a few of his classes in my undergrad. He was my reference that got me into my master's program. And again, I took some courses with him during my master's as well. And so upon graduation, a lot of us were in that position where, okay, school's done. Now we're focusing on our career. We really kind of compartmentalized the two realms, like the academic realm and then the post-academic realm. And that's one of my lessons learned is one kind of trying to combine the two and thinking ahead even while you're in school. But yeah, Dr. Jason kind of gave us a little nudge and connected us to the networks. And one of his piece of advice was always to attend these information interviews with a cup of uh, coffee as an icebreaker. So that way, you know, you leave an impression, but it also again acts as an icebreaker and it's a good way to start a conversation. I tweaked it a little bit because I would come with like a latte and I felt that a latte was universally adored and a little easier. It doesn't have as many variations as coffee can. So I would come with a latte and that was a really good strategy that worked with me and kind of kept my, so if I did have an interaction with a mentor or a network, um, they kind of remembered me a little bit more because I was one of the few people that would come with a latte and try to be memorable in that way. <laughs> So you, and there's an old adage, like when one door opens, you know, like don't close another one. You actually knocked on a door in Brandon Hall and found someone who is now a very important part of your life. So um, tell us a little bit about that, but also what you got from being involved in residence life in Brandon Hall when you were a student. Yeah, so the individual that you're speaking about is my husband. And at the time I wasn't aware he was gonna be my husband, um, but it was my first day in, you know, my, my first day in university, it was my first day in residence. And it was actually my first time in residence because in first year I didn't actually live in residence. So it was my first ever experience in residence and being the extrovert that I am, I was very excited to get to know everybody. So I dropped my things in my room and immediately decided to go knock on my coworkers doors and meet them. And it just so happened that the first door that I knocked on, I thought I'd start on the 11th floor, work my way down. And then sure enough, my husband was on the 11th floor. And uh, yeah, so I, that was a great icebreaker because he was the first person that I met. We became fast friends pretty quickly. Um, I think partially that was due to the fact that we had very similar personalities. We both like to make people laugh and 
Um, we are more sociable and we like to be social and go to social gatherings quite a bit. So we often found ourselves with a lot of shared interests in that sense. And we would try to host um, activities together, bring our floors together. We hosted actually a glow in the dark flag football match outside of Les Prince Hall with his floor and my floor. So it was through these shared interests and experiences. And we'd also get a little competitive with one another when we were kind of friends and what through one of that was through the programming aspect. I remember one time I received the programmy. It was an award for having the best program in residence. And so I hosted an event and then my husband um, then was a little eager to then step up his game so he could win the programmy in the future. And so we'd get a little competitive with one another. And so naturally that built a really strong friendship and then it just kind of grew from there. And now you're in Seattle with him. He's a pilot in the Royal Canadian Air Force where he is posted on exchange with the US Air Force. So number one, how was it moving to the States? What was the job market like? Any comparisons between Canada and the US? And maybe share with us what you're doing right now. Sure. Um, so as far as the transition, I think the hardest part was probably the paperwork and the actual physically moving to the United States and to Seattle going from the East Coast to the West Coast. I think that was probably the most difficult part. Um, but as far as the job market went, I actually learned a very helpful tip that I just kind of stumbled upon just by virtue of having to do this really massive move, which is getting my resume professionally done. And I think that was very instrumental in my job search. Prior to this, I'd never thought of doing that. Um, but now this is something that I preach to everybody is get your resume professionally done. For me, what it did at the time, I was really tied up in terms of physically moving, getting settled, finding an apartment, all the nuances that come with, and then my visa. So a lot of nuances that come with the aspect of moving. But so I didn't have that time to sit down and really tweak and fine tune my resume. So I decided to contract that out and get someone else to do it for me. They did an amazing job and so much so that it helped me not only with the development of my resume, but actually with the framing of my experience. So the conversations that I was having interviews were largely due to the conversations that I had with the individual that made my resume. And this tip really helped me a lot because I think this is probably the easiest uh, probably the one time in my career journey that I didn't have so much trouble finding a job. When I first entered, I had such a hard time landing my first role and then getting my second role and so on and so forth. And when I came here with that resume that was professionally done, it was just so amazing to have. And it helped me a lot because it freed up some time for me to then network and build connections and engage in all those other more strenuous aspects of the job search. And then I just had this resume that would be able to get filtered through the computerized resume filtering system. So it was beneficial. And it's a tip, again, that I share with others all the time because it's worked out so well for me. And I think that definitely helped ease the transition for me and from the Canadian to the U.S. American uh, job search market. Well, I also think that, you know, I just most people would just not think of that. They think, you know, like I'm going to write my own resume and I'm going to do that. No one can tell my story better than me, but actually we're probably one of the worst people to tell our story because it's all up in our head. We know what we did at that job, but we don't write it in the way that probably, um, we probably all undersell ourselves when we write our own resume. So I think that's a really good tip. And um, I'm not sure I'm looking for a job anytime soon, um, but except when I perhaps retire. And, uh, but that's a, I, it's probably the first piece of advice that I've heard in a long time around resumes that I'm like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I completely 
it definitely shaped my entire experience of the job search process because it also helped with personal branding, which I didn't know was a thing when it comes to job searching. But I remember the resume writer going over my profile and being like, I think your brand is that you are a consensus builder amongst technical folk. And I'm like, I I guess I am. I just have never thought of that. So it definitely helped actually even build my confidence. And I mentioned that earlier. It's just the framing of my experience in my interview. It just some of the things that he had mentioned, I was writing them down so eagerly. Like, even though it is my experience, I was the way he kind of conveyed that experience so poetically and so nicely and framed it and packaged it up so nicely. I had to steal some of those quotes and mention them, even though it was my own experience. I just couldn't have said it as eloquently as he did. So I 100% recommend that tip going forward. So you participated in our Life After Mac program, whereas where we have graduate, young graduates tell their story in first person. And one thing that struck me that stood out in yours, in your first person um, story was that you wrote that there's a strong sense of pride associated with being a McMaster graduate. And a natural part of that is helping each other. And I think that's part of the secret sauce of McMaster. So, you know, like, why do you think that? And like, what do you think that McMaster does to to have that, that you as a graduate feel that way about our university? Yeah, um, I think there's some tangible and intangible things that have contributed to that environment. There's this strong sense of culture at McMaster that extends beyond just our time at Mac. And I think that's through just the way that McMaster has made the experience. Um, it's a small thing, but cars and vehicles, you didn't see them going through campus. So the campus was really truly made for students. And so you could really navigate and walk around and you were in this kind of bubble. And um, that's one of the things I think that made it super unique and made it really easy to connect with others. And then, you know, we have all these resources that are available to students like that firsthand mentorship platform. That's a way for alumni to connect with current students and recent graduates. So those are resources that are available. But also, you know, when I, through my interaction with Dr. Jasek, when he was trying to help us network with other individuals in the industry, it was often McMaster students that he would turn to, that he would ask us to connect with. And that's because, you know, when you see another McMaster student, we just have this sense of enthusiasm and eagerness to want to support one another and in whatever way we can. And that was always my experience mentoring through that initial stage of getting mentored by graduates that Dr. Jasek had connected me to. And so I think that's part of it is that we're so forthcoming and it's due to the fact that we had that shared experience and that McMaster created this environment that really helped nurture and create this amazing community for students. So this past 15 months has been one that no one expected. So mm -hmm. what have you learned about your experience from the pandemic? Um, so I think that one of the biggest lessons learned for me is that prior to the pandemic, I don't feel like I fully was seizing the day, so to speak. Um, I'm a very creative person. I like to play board games. I like to draw. I like to make these YouTube videos. And part of that process is like the creative aspect where you're editing and you're trying to make them engaging and working on thumbnails. And that's something that I've definitely uncovered during my time in COVID because my commute was no longer there. So I had a few hours through my day that were just mine. And through those hours, I started engaging more in more extracurricular activities. And prior to that, it makes me wonder what I was doing with my time. Like I felt like before that, I was just part of the day-to-day -day hustle and bustle, going to work, coming home, maybe watching TV, having dinner. And that was kind of the routine. And we kind of got into a bit of a routine. And this 
shook me out of that routine and got me more engaged in my day to day and reading and trying to go out hikes and go outdoors and get more comfortable just being in solitude. I think part of it was also that there was a lot of activities. I had this preconceived notion that there's so many activities that had to be done in groups where, such as camping or going on a hike. And with the social distancing and quarantine aspect, that was kind of, that connection was kind of taken away from us. So it kind of forced us to be comfortable with ourselves and be comfortable going out and like exploring on your own and having that social distance. So those are all things that I think I've really tapped into and I am looking forward to continuing to do post post pandemic and continuing to be more comfortable going camping with just my husband and I and our dog and not need that many people around all the time. So um, you will eventually make your way back to Canada. Is it just a short term um, placement he has or do you think that you'll spend more time in the States? I think the ideally for me, I would love to go back to Canada. That's where our family and our friends are. So that's the goal is to go back to Canada um, with the pandemic that definitely threw a bit of a wrench in our plan. So there is no clear date as to when we would potentially go back. Um, a lot of the other Canadians, there are other Canadians that are also here that are doing different roles. And so they've all been extended. I've been told that they're extended, but my husband, he's the only pilot here. So we're still kind of waiting on our marching orders, so to speak. And so we'll see what happens. Um, but I try to kind of seize the day now and take it one day at a time and see what happens. But ultimately, Ontario is would be amazing to go back to Ontario. What piece of advice do you wish you knew um, when you first graduated? Um, so one of the things that I really want to touch on is working backwards. And what I mean by that is finding whatever your passion is when it comes to, as a student, finding what you enjoy and what you want to do, and then work backwards to help you achieve that goal. So if there's a job that you want, that you are seeking upon graduation, don't wait for graduation to start setting yourself up for success and landing that role. Look at that job now and then start to determine, maybe make a checklist and see if you can tick off some of the things off that job spec sheet now so that way when you graduate you have already set yourself up for success so working backwards when it comes to anything i think is a great goal if you want to become a more avid hiker just working backwards from whatever your goal is and building up to that is huge and having that pragmatic plan um, particularly so when it comes to the career and job search i think that's super important is working backwards and trying to be more pragmatic about your time while you're in school to make sure that you do set yourself up for success and also the other thing that i want to mention is knowing that um, everything works out as it's meant to um, i spent a lot of time stressing and sometimes jumping on the first opportunity that i got without recognizing some of the red flags or the things what weren't super consistent with my ideal career trajectory. And so I definitely had a lot of detours. And so knowing that if something doesn't line up for you, it is not necessarily a rejection. It could also be a redirection and directing you to your ideal career path and something that's better suited for you. And starting to become more comfortable with that notion, I think is really important. And, you know, this is something that will never get easy to this day. Anytime you get that rejection letter, it does stink. But having that knowledge in your back pocket, knowing that that's not the end, it's maybe just redirecting you to something better is a way to help you, A, cope with that rejection, but also, B, continue to pers persevere towards your goals. So where do you see yourself 
professionally in five years? Um, for me in five years, I would like to see myself continuing to be a mentor to others, but I'd also love to be in a people leader position where I can support the growth of others in a more instrumental and tangible way. I want to help others carve a clear path to leadership for them and other first generation students like me where we didn't have the supports or the networks to guide our career paths for us. I think moving into a people leader position would allow me to kind of create those opportunities for others that are in similar situations as I was. And um, yeah, that's uh, ultimately the goal for me is I would love to be a people leader one day. So you've talked a lot about, you've touched on a lot about mentoring throughout our conversation. So um, you meet a grad, you know, a grad who's been out like, uh, let's say 10 years and they say, oh, mentoring, there's no, I, I don't have time for it. Or like, why would I want to do that? What's your 30 second elevator speech as to why mentorship is so important? Um, for me, I think mentorship is like getting to get, getting to speak to my younger self Anyone who looks back at themselves five, 10 years ago, I'm sure there's things that you wish you would have told yourself to make your path easier. And this is your opportunity. It may not be you that you're speaking to, but you're speaking to a version of you that is now going through those, those motions. And so to be a support, to be a guide, to be a leader, to help somebody else, it's not gonna change or hinder your role that you are in currently, but it is gonna help hugely with someone else's path. And so why not? pass it forward or pay it forward that's a very good elevator speech <laughs> i would sign up if i hadn't signed up already um so as we come to the end of our conversation we always like to ask a few selection of questions we are hmm. rapid fire questions so if you're ready here we go your favorite memory of mcmaster um, my favorite memory was winning the welcome week cup when i was the residence orientation advisor for les prince hall Oh, okay. So not the knock on the door of 11th floor, uh, Brandon Hall. <laughs> At the time, I didn't know it would become true. Very true. bigger. Yeah. yeah. Very, very true. Um, best COVID purchase. I got these lights to put behind my TV. They can, they go into any color, blue, green, whatever you want it to be. So with the movie theaters close, it kind of sets the ambiance as a movie theater in your own home. And it was like $7 on Amazon. Oh, no, that's a really good tip. All right. Uh, is there a book you're reading you recommend or a podcast you like to listen to? Yeah, I am currently reading The Sixth Extinction, An Unnatural History by Elizabeth Colbert. I just actually finished that book on Monday. Oh, did you? Okay, I'm just starting. So it, it's one of those books you read where you're like, it makes you think it makes you hopeful and at various times depressed, but it's an excellent, excellent read. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> um, what living person do you most admire? I'm going to have to say my mother. Oh, and why your mom? Um, I look at my mom and she's done so much from, especially, I mean, I have a new sense of appreciation having moved from Canada to the United States, but my mom, she moved here from India to Canada by herself with no family. And so it's, I've just seen so many sacrifices and the strike that she has, it's something that I aspire to and she's a role model for me all the time. Do you have a personal motto? I do, um, not so much a motto or um, more so 
a mantra that I like to remind myself, which is if you are, and it's from a Chinese philosopher named Lao Tzu. If you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. And it's something that I have to remind myself with all the change that's happened in my life with moving and having to change roles and just the nature of my husband's role. I sometimes find myself thinking too far ahead or in the past and getting super nostalgic. And I have to run, remind myself to be in the moment, enjoy and um, be at peace. That's a really good, that's a really good, whether it's a motto or a saying, it's a very good one. Um, and one song that best describes your time at Mac. <laughs> this brings me back to Brynn Hall all the time. And it's Hotel by Pipple. And if anyone that lived in Brynn Hall, my husband, all my good friends that lived in Brynn Hall at the time, they'll know exactly why. <laughs> okay. I, I know Pitbull. I don't recognize that song. So I will have to listen to that after we, done, we finish <laughs> our conversation. Um, and before you, before we wrap up, I, I feel like, tell us a little bit, um, uh, just a tiny bit more about your YouTube um, uh, series and where people can find it and if they want to subscribe and, and whatnot. So here's your commercial. Here you go. <laughs> Um, so I have a channel. My channels, you can find me on YouTube under Diamond Diaries, and I act as a virtual mentor to students on their academic career and personal journeys. I share my lessons learned and tips and tricks on how to navigate your academic and post-academic realm. And yeah, I hope to help other students. If you can't find me on there, you can also find me on Instagram, which is your virtual mentor. That's my, um, that's my handle. Act. My handle, that's the word. That's my handle. handle. <laughs> <laughs> my handle is your virtual mentor. So you can find me on Instagram and YouTube. Well, yeah, I would strongly encourage people to check it out. It was um, the, I watched, I think three and, uh, and they were, they were all excellent. So I'm hoping Thank that you. pretty soon you'll crack that a thousand subscribers. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure to get to, to know you and learn about your unconventional journey um, from your graduation in McMaster and um, you have certainly led a very interesting life. I'm sure that it's going to continue to be bring uh, new challenges and opportunities for you, but you're going to do that with a very infectious spirit. You are very, you know, I can, I can, if, if only people could see your smile from Seattle is just lovely and your spirit, which does not surprise me why you were one of the residents. Um, were you a, a ROA? Would you have been a ROA? Yes. Is that, see? That's right. All right. Yeah. Well, you would have been a ROA. So I can see that. Um, but, you know, thank you for keeping in contact with McMaster and spending time mentoring our students, which I know um, they appreciate and we do as well. So thank you so much. It was so nice speaking with you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you.